0: It's an honor to be with you, to be able to open God's Word with you. We'll have a good time with that today. We are in week two of a season called Advent. Advent are these four Sundays leading up to Christmas. So what that means is after today, we'll meet here on the 17th, we'll meet here on the 24th, and then boom, Christmas will be here. Woo! You like Christmas? Let me hear a woo for Christmas. Yeah. I was kind of like, well, he made me say woo. I mean, do you have a woo in your heart for Christmas? Woo! All right. We need like the K through fifth graders to come in and show us how to have a woo for Christmas. But here's a, I hope that you're getting ready for that. I asked this first service, I said, are you ready for Christmas? And somebody back there said, no. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if he's not ready because he hasn't bought all his presents or if it's Heart's not there yet, so hopefully our heart's getting there as we get ready for Christmas. One of the words we use with Christmas, you see this on the screen, Advent. We need to discuss this word because I think we even had it in one of our songs. If you're taking notes, write this down. Advent means coming. It is the coming of something. It might be the advent of a new season. or We're specifically talking about the advent of Jesus, the coming of Jesus that he came on Christmas Day, and that's what we celebrate. And uh, so I, I don't know if you're getting ready. Somebody asked me this week, are you ready for Christmas? And I said, no. I said, I'm not ready in terms of I haven't done any Christmas shopping yet. I've done some Christmas thinking, but I just haven't done Christmas shopping. It's not the 24th yet. And, <laughs> but I'm doing Christmas thinking, honey. Don't worry about that. I, I am. But what this is, is this is a season for us to consider the story, the story of God sending His Son. And if you're looking for a story to read about this, write this down. You can read this this week or read this during the Christmas season. Luke chapter 2. This is kind of when Mary and Joseph are making their way to Bethlehem. You can read that story. You can read the chapter before that too to get into this story. But not only is this a great story, but it has relevance for us. Okay, I'm not here just to give you a history lesson today, but I want you to know that the story that we're talking about over this Advent season has relevance for you today. It has relevance for you tomorrow morning. It has relevance for you as you go to work, as you go to school, as you interact in your community and neighborhood. And so this story that we're going to look at has deep meaning really centers around this idea that the Son of God came for desperate people living in darkness. I don't know if you felt desperate recently, but we are desperate people. And the Son of God had to come for desperate people like us. So it's a story of old, but it's a story that certainly has meaning for us today. And what I want us to do is consider the darkness in our own lives. I want us to consider the darkness that maybe you even walked into this building with today... And as we do this, I want us to see the divine cure for that darkness. We'll call this part one. Next week we'll do the part two to this. But consider the darkness that you're experiencing. It might be at times, and it might just be for a brief moment, it might be a season that you've been in, whatever the darkness is. I'd like you to consider that and see That there's a divine cure for this. We're going to look at this today. If you have your Bibles, open them to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. If you want to use that Bible sitting in front of you, we'll be on page 573. And as we will see, and as we mentioned last week, the Christmas story began in darkness. The Christmas story of Jesus coming down begins in darkness. Where we're going to pick this story up in Isaiah chapter 9. This is 750 years before Christ. And so this is a long time before Jesus is even born, leaves heaven and, and comes to be born. But we're going to see that this story begins in darkness. And as I was looking at this story again, it was like, well, it didn't even start there. The story really begins at, at page 1 of your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, as I was reading that this week, preparing for a Bible study that we're going to have in January. I was just looking the first couple of verses, and it says God created, but, but as he was creating, there was darkness. This is really the story. This is the setting of all of this. By the time we get to Genesis chapter 3, we see that there's sin that enters. Adam and Eve make choices that you and I make almost on a daily basis, just saying, God, I don't want what you want. I want what I want. And in that became much darkness. And so we're going to see that this story in Isaiah chapter 9, the Christmas story began in darkness. Isaiah is speaking to a people who are experiencing the darkness of captivity. The darkness of captivity people that are going to be taken captive because of their disobedience to God. God had warned them over and over and said, if you choose your way and not my way, it's going to be rough for you. And they kept saying, you know, we just want what we want when we want it. And God finally said, okay, well, the Assyrians are going to come over and take you as a nation. They're going to take you to be theirs. You're going to be their property. They're going to destroy your home. That's what you get for wanting this life of disobedience. And These people are experiencing the darkness of captivity. This was the case for the nation of Israel. They experienced this. 722 BC, the Assyrians do exactly what God told them that was going to happen. You are going to be taken captive. And so here's a nation. They're like, oh, wait a second. We had all these warnings about God, about obeying, and we're like, no, we want to do it our way. And here they are being taken captive. It was God's form of discipline. We sang a song earlier this morning, and I just encourage you as you listen to traditional Christmas songs on the radio or here at church or wherever you might be, there's some great language speaking to the story we're talking about. We sang this, O come, O come Emmanuel, meaning God with us, and ransom or buy back captive Israel. You remember singing those words? Yeah, this is kind of like, these are weird Christmas song words. This isn't Frosty the Snowman words. But this is the story. And this is why we want to spend some time in this story before we just jump into December 25th and go, he's here. We have to understand some of this story. So if you would, grab your Bibles and go back to chapter 8, verse 21. Let me just read the last couple chapters of, or last couple verses of chapter 8, as we did last week. Speaking of this captivity, it says this in 8.21. They will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. He says they will be hungry. They'll be on this journey out of their land. They won't have what they have. This is all part of their uh, discipline. And when they're hungry, they will complain. I think this is where Snickers gets the idea. You're not you when you're hungry, all right? You're miserable when you're hungry. You're miserable when you're in captivity of darkness. Verse 22, and they will look to the earth, but behold, they will find distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. This is the nation of Israel. But this story is not just, again, I said it's not just a history lesson of where they were. This is really a story about us. Write this down because this is where it has relevance. This is a story for us. You and I were captive to this disease called sin. We were born with this disease. It's a terminal disease. It brings separation between us and God. And you and I can tell this story that we find ourselves captivated or captured at times by sin. This is a story about us. It's for us. The Christmas story, you see, is not just historical facts. And it's certainly not just a cute story about a mom and a dad and a baby with little barn animals around. I mean, it is a cute story, but it's bigger than this. This is a story that is powerful and life-changing and has implications for every single one of you today, especially... Those of us experiencing any type of darkness, we will see God's cure for our darkness. Isaiah chapter 9, let's go there, starts this way. But, or as we noticed last week, but, like but with a little bit of hope in there, right? I mean, there's something good coming up. Some of you came up to me last week and said, well, in my Bible, it didn't say but, it says nevertheless, I'm like, okay, then say it this way. Nevertheless, I mean, hope is coming. Something is changing in chapter 9 from darkness and distress and gloom of anguish to but or nevertheless, I just like saying but, all right? Part of the reason is when I was a kid, I never got to say that. I always had to say bottom, all right? <laughs> I'm reading the Bible, bottom, bottom. There will be no gloom. (laughs) Just the way I was raised. We couldn't say that word. But anyway, I like saying that word now. Anyway, but. But there's this great plan that God has in store for his people. (laughs) There's this divine cure that's coming about in chapter 9. So, but. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. Like, ooh. some good's happening here. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. This, this is the upper region. This is Israel that's going to be taken captive. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. It's as if, Isaiah says... Something bad's going to happen. You're going to be in darkness and distress, the gloom of anguish. But there will be a time that God is working out a plan. You can't see it right now. All you can see is the darkness, but something is happening. Isaiah is saying this, but, and he says a few things. One, there will be a light. There will be a light. Which seems like a great answer to a darkness problem, right? I mean, if the people are walking in darkness, what are you going to give to us, God? Light? Okay, that's a good answer. And he's saying it as if it's already happened. The light has shown. Go to verse 3. You have multiplied the nation. This nation that's going to be taken captive, you're going to multiply them. They have increased its joy. They rejoice before you with Joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. He's saying, I want you to know this. Not only will there be light, but there will be joy. Okay? Write this down. If light gives hope and direction, then joy is this fruit of this hope and direction. We even sang this this morning. Rejoice. I mean, we were singing this, and some of you were just singing it from deep down. You're like, "Woo! yeah, Rejoice. I imagine some of you are just going, rejoice. Like, I want to rejoice, but I can't rejoice. And you have to have these eyes of faith. Just as Isaiah says, listen, I'm telling this nation that's going to be captive, there will be a time where they will sing, rejoice. You sing it to your heart now, knowing that this same God is in control. Go to verse 4, if you would. It's not just light and joy, but he says, for the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor. This sounds bad. You have broken as on the day of Midian. He's like, something good has happened. Write this down. Some of you didn't take my advice last week. Do it this week. Read for yourself Judges chapter 7. Okay? When you read Judges chapter 7, you'll know the history better that the Israelites knew when Isaiah says this. They're like, wait a second. Midian, that was a great victorious day. You're telling me God's going to do one of those again? Yeah, God's going to do one of those miraculous rescues again, and there will be victory. Write it down. He says not only will there be light, and that's good, and not only will that start producing some joy, that's good, but victory is going to happen. Maybe even consider your situation. It's like, man, I just need a glimpse of light. I'll tell you, light will be shown. And from light will be joy. And from joy will be victory. Even though this morning that's hard for you to see. And then to top it all off, look at verse 6 if you would. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And he says all of this, the light, the joy, the victory, there will be a son. There will be a person that this comes through. There will be a son. And if light gives hope and direction, and joy is the fruit of this hope, and direction, and victory is the culmination of all of that, then the answer is found in a person. It's found in a son, a long-expected Savior. Verse 6, read this again with me. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace." Let's just stop there. That's an interesting name, isn't it? We spent November getting to know each other a little bit and talking about some of the names of God. It says, His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That is a cool name. Boom. That's the one who's bringing light. That's the one who's bringing joy. That's the one who's bringing victory. He is a son, and this is his name. Now, what it's doing is speaking of his character. It's speaking of his substance. It's really speaking of his purpose. Because later in the New Testament, you don't hear, and Mary and Joseph had their first child, and they named him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They didn't name it. It's speaking, this is his character. This is who he is. And what I'd like to do this morning is share a couple of those names with you. Because the hope of Israel, A hope of a nation that was in darkness was going to come through God's plan, God's provision, and God's person. And check this out. When you and I experience darkness, the answer to that is found in God's plan, God's purpose, God's person. And it's this one wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So let's look at a couple of these names, and I, I want to show you the relevance for you, even for today or for tomorrow when you go back to work or go to school, when you live your life, what these names mean for us right now. Verse 6, one more time, let's look at this. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. You might just look at that, and that's a nice phrase. You've heard some Christmas songs, and they throw that phrase in there, Wonderful Counselor. Let's just talk about this because there's more than what meets the eye when we look at that. Wonderful. This week, I remember walking into the office one day, and I go, Whoa, what's that smell? That is wonderful. And some of the people are like, No, it's not you. It's the cookies that I smell. It's like, Oh, man, they smell wonderful. And someone was so kind to say, you know what, I made all of these cookies to give away and some of you will give them out today after the service. But they said, this plate is just for you, staff. You eat these. And there was a dozen in there. And I think it verges on gluttony, but I ate five of them, all right, and in a very short amount of time. Because the smell of them was so wonderful. And then when I tasted them, I went, Woo-hoo-hoo! these cookies are wonderful. And then I'm reading this and I'm like, wait a second. Jesus is called wonderful, and I just called a cookie wonderful. This, this just doesn't fly. This isn't right. So I had to look at this word a little bit. This word certainly means more than a, a tasteful cookie. The uh, first time this word's mentioned is found in Exodus chapter 15. The Israelites have been rescued from egypt. let 's look at this. They break into a song because they have been rescued, and they sing this: "Who is like you, O Lord, Yahweh, among the gods, among the gods of egypt, who's like you? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome and glorious in deeds, doing wonders. And it means more than making cookies for the people out here. This word wonders means you can do something that no one else can. You can rescue a million plus people out of Egypt. You can open up the Red Sea so that we can walk through and our enemies can't. You provide for us like no one else can. The word for that was wonders. And when Isaiah says, I want to tell you about this one, this light, this joy, this victorious one, this son, he will be a wonderful counselor. He will do wonders like you've never seen. He is doing wonders like only he can do. So then we see this word counselor. It's the idea of giving guidance and wisdom beyond our years and ability and experience. And what Isaiah was stating here when he mentions this, he says that God's provision in darkness would be a sun that would be an all-wise miracle maker. Would you write this down? Sometimes I think we just, wonderful counselor, oh yeah, we sing that. No, here's an all-wise, here's the counselor part of him, but he's a miracle maker. He sees the past clearly. He sees the future clearly. He has the prevision to know what every single one of us are going to go through this next week. He's all wise. He's a miracle maker. And Isaiah says, for you in darkness, nation of Israel, let me tell you about this all wise miracle maker. Church, let me tell you about as you are in darkness right now. As you go into this next week and you don't, you think you know what's going on, but maybe you, you really have no clue. Let me tell you, there is one for your darkness. He's an all wise miracle maker. And just as Israel needed this, you and I need this God to help us in our times of darkness, to help us make decisions, to convict us of our sin, to help us choose the right. Now Jesus, as he lives life, he says this right before he's crucified. He gathers his disciples together and says, hey guys, I'm taking off. I'm leaving. But it's going to be a good thing. Let me show you this passage and I want you to write it down in John chapter 16. He says, but now I'm going to him, the father who sent me probably 33 years before. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. I'm taken off, but it's good for you that I go away. Why? For if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I'm going to send him. He's talking about the Holy Spirit of God. He talks about the one who's going to be near you all the time. You see, Jesus could only be with a few people at a time. I'll be with you for a while. I'll be with you for a while. He says, I'm going to leave it. And I'm going to send one so that God will be with you always through his Spirit. He's going to be one who is beside you always. He's going to live in your heart. And in my darkness... You see, what happens is that God provides me with divine wisdom. He provides me with a divine counselor. He provides me with one who will come alongside me even in my darkness. This is part of God's divine cure for us. You see, when Jesus came and when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we acknowledge him as the all-wise miracle worker will sing songs, and you will sing Wonderful Counselor. And maybe you'll forget this idea of All-Wise Miracle Maker, but it is bigger than just, oh, Wonderful Counselor. It's like he sees it all. And he is mighty and powerful to work all the miracles. You're saying, God, I need this fixed. That's not too big for him to do. He's the All-Wise Miracle Maker. You see, for the people of Israel... When they tried to rule and reign their own life, they struggled. They ended up in captivity. Without God's wisdom, they made stupid mistakes. They ended up in captivity. Then I started thinking, well, what happens when you and I try to run our own lives? What what happens when you and I try to do this without the all-wise miracle maker at the helm? I'm like, holy cow, we mess it up, don't we? We mess it up. You say, I think I got this one. It didn't work for Israel. It doesn't work for you. It won't work for you. God gives us this divine wisdom. So let me ask you, where do you look for wisdom? You got a problem? Where do you go? I was going to say, who are you going to call, but you'd probably say Ghostbusters. No. Where do you look for wisdom? Some of you are from a generation and you uh, look to Uh, Dear Abby, right? Raise your hand if you read the Dear Abby things. Okay, come on. Okay, so some of you did that. Okay, some of you kids, let me explain a little bit about Dear Abby. So people would have problems, and they would want wisdom, and so they would write into the newspaper. I'm gonna have to now explain what a newspaper is for you kids. (laughs) Every day the news would come in a form of a big piece of paper. It's crazy now. It's just on your phones, but anyway, people would write in and say, Dear Abby, I need some wisdom. I need some help. And she gave some quick help. They were to-the-point answers. And I found some of those this week. I thought I'd share a couple of those with you. Dear, uh, someone says, uh-oh, they read Dear Abby before. Yeah. Dear Abby, is it possible for a man to be in love with two women at the same time? Jay. She says, Dear Jay, yes, and also hazardous. <laughs> She gave wisdom to the point. Here's another one. Dear Abby, our son married a girl when he was in the service. They were married in February. She had an eight-and-a-half-pound baby girl in August. She said the baby was premature. Can an eight-and-a-half-pound baby be this premature? (laughs) Wanting to know. Dear wanting to know. The baby was on time. The wedding was late. Forget it. <laughs> she gave good, quick advice, I guess. But where, where do you look? Where do you look for wisdom? You need to make some tough decisions. Where do you go? The Bible shows us and tells us that we actually have each other. Because we have the Spirit of God, we have the mind of Christ. And we can give each other good wisdom But not only that, that God gives us wisdom. That if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all. He says, I just love to pour this out. This is part of my divine cure for your darkness. You're walking around in darkness. Part of this was to send the wonderful counselor. Part of this is to send the spirit of God in you. And I want to give you wisdom. Ask me. Stop asking dear Abby. She's dead ask me and when darkness clouds our decisions the all-wise miracle maker was part of god's cure for our darkness repeat after me if you would i need the wisdom of god okay now this time we're going to say it like we really mean it i need the wisdom of god Make that your daily prayer. In fact, make that your moment by mo- moment prayer. I'm not sure what to do. I need the wisdom of God. I was given a gift a couple months ago because they know that sometimes I have to make some hard decisions. What do I do? What do I do? And so I got a gift, and it was two cubes. On one of the cubes, it had all the names of the staff members here at the church. On the other cube, it had different things that they could do. And when I was tired of making decisions or didn't know what to do for a decision, I was supposed to grab these cubes, and it would say, Bethany, go make me coffee, or Cyrus, preach for me, or Dylan, you know, go do something, or, you know, whatever. (laughs) I think the idea was, Scott, in times of wisdom, you should roll these dice. And I'm like, well, I've done that a couple times. But isn't it like us to when we, in our darkness, when we, I'm not sure what to do, we rely on our own wisdom. We rely on our own experiences. And yet God said, part of my divine chore for people in darkness was to give them wisdom. And I want to continue to give them wisdom. And may this be our daily prayer. I need the wisdom of God. Repeat this after me. I need the all-wise miracle maker. I need the all-wise miracle maker. This is what you need. Say this to yourself throughout the week. This is what I need. This was Jesus. This is one of the reasons he came in our darkness. Go to verse 6 again. It says this. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, let's look at those two words, mighty God. I think some of these get overlooked. Mighty, yeah, you know, I've heard of mighty, mighty mouse, whatever. God, of course, you know, I mean that's God. But that God would bring Israel out of darkness with not just a wise ruler, but with power, with with a mighty warrior. The word mighty is this idea that there is this matchless power, unmatchless power of God. No one can match him. He has power that no one else has. That's that word mighty. Dynamic power. The word mighty, it's interesting, is used to describe Goliath. Remember the story of David and Goliath? Here's this like 10-foot giant No one's ever beat him. The word, same word, it says the champion Goliath or the mighty one Goliath. He was pretty mighty in terms of human standards. David takes him down with the power of God. But this God that we have to help us in our darkness, what Israel needed, what you and I needed is the power of God. The powerful God on our side to strengthen us in a battle for our hearts and minds. How many of you this week have been in a battle? Battle for your heart, battle for your mind, battle for your emotions. And in those dark moments, God says, I am sending one who will be mighty God himself. This cute little baby that we will celebrate his birth, he was mighty God. He was powerful God. One that could do anything. When we celebrate Jesus coming down and celebrate the birth of Jesus, we acknowledge him as the dynamic, undisputed champion. Write this down the dynamic, undisputed champion. Here's this Jesus. Dynamic, all powerful, undisputed champion. No one greater. This is our Savior. This is the one who provides us power to say no to ungodliness. We don't just have a little bit of help to say no to ungodliness. We have the dynamic, undisputed champion to help us say no to ungodliness. We have the dynamic, undisputed champion to help us keep the faith and finish the race and fight the good fight. When you don't feel like showing forgiveness, you have the dynamic, undisputed champion saying, I'm going to empower you to forgive. I'm going to empower you to show compassion. Some of us just did not want to show compassion this last weekend. All right? But there is one who gives dynamic, undisputed champion-like power to show compassion, to show mercy, to show love. This is what you need, right? You you don't have it on your own. In fact, your dark heart, when you get hurt, you now have hatred. How am I going to get love in there? You won't on your own. You're going to need the dynamic, undisputed champion to provide love. You're saying, man, I'm just so bitter about this. How am I going to get rid of this bitterness on my own? You can't. The Son of God had to come. Who is He? He's the dynamic, undisputed champion of helping you get rid of bitterness. This is Him. And in my darkness, God provides me with divine power. Provides you with divine power. Whatever your darkness might be, He provides you with His power. Repeat after me if you would. I need the power of God Now let's say it enthusiastically. Repeat after me. I need the power of God. That is to be your prayer every day, every moment. I need the power of God to love, to forgive, to keep going on, to keep the faith, to show compassion, whatever it is. Repeat after me. I need the dynamic, undisputed champion. Preach that to your heart over and over and over. So let me ask you a question. Because this was Jesus. This is why he came. But let me ask this question. In what ways this morning do I need Jesus to come and heal me? In what way this morning do you need Jesus to come and give you wisdom on how to respond, how to live? In what ways do you need Jesus to come and bring healing to you and give you power to move on? In what ways? Write that down. Consider that. Because this is where this becomes relevant for us. It wasn't just that a baby came and it was cute so we can sing some songs and get more socks and underwear. Okay. But he came to bring healing to you. Yes, a very initial time when you believe in Jesus and receive entrance into God's family. And we all need that. But after that, we need him to come and bring healing over and over and over. Where's that area for you this morning? Or let me ask it a different way. What darkness are you experiencing where you need Jesus to come into your life? What darkness? Darkness of bitterness. Darkness of... I shared with you a couple weeks ago that I, I came in here on a Sunday morning and I prayed and did all of this. But all of a sudden, I just I just had a critical spirit. I'm like, man. And all of a sudden, it was like darkness just woo, came over me for a moment. It's like, God, I need you to come and heal me. I need to confess that I'm not in control. You're in control. Just heal me of this critical spirit. And he did. Earlier this week, I, I even said to Angela, I said, I just don't have any confidence right now. I just... I just don't feel like I can do anything. Who's darkness? Who is momentary? I said, Jesus, I need you to come and heal me of my lack of confidence. And he said, Go read the Bible. Go read of who I am for you. I will give you wisdom, I will give you power. I'm the dynamic, undisputed champion of helping people who lack confidence. Where do you lack? Or what is your darkness you're experiencing? even today. I thought there's a few ways to respond to that. There's a chance that you're here and you say, "Uh, I don't know that I have any darkness. I really don't think I have any need for Jesus. I've been praying for you in advance that you would see that you have need for him. I have been praying that you would see that there's some darkness that you say, I can't do this by myself. I'm going to need this wonderful counselor, this mighty God. Maybe you're here today, and I'm just going to call you a pompous little booger, all right? This is my way of saying maybe you're just too arrogant to think that you need Jesus to help you. Because there are probably worse words I could call you, so I'll just go with pompous little booger. But you might say, man, I don't need Jesus. I'm fine. My bank account's fine. My body is physically healthy. I'm fine. My schedule's planned and booked. I'm fine. I got a vacation coming up. I'm fine. You need Jesus. Because maybe your darkness is your arrogance. And then quite possibly, you're asking Jesus today to show up and fix a little problem. And he's got a much bigger issue he wants to fix. And the reason I thought of that is because the nation of Israel, when Jesus came... They said, oh, Jesus, you're a miracle worker. All right, you are this one. You're always miracle worker. You're doing this. You are going to get rid of bad government for us. You're going to kick out, boom, the Romans for us. Life is going to be easy for us. And Jesus said, no, no. I'm not going to make life easy for you. I'm actually not going to fix that problem that you're praying about. Because i got a much bigger problem I'm working on for you. And you and I might say, God, I need you to fix this. And he's like, I'm not going to fix that little problem, even though you think it's big. Because I'm going to go after something much deeper, like your heart. And I may not fix the cancer problem. And I might not fix the money problem. Because what I want is your heart. I'm going to go after something much deeper, much bigger. I want to bring healing to All of that, because that's really what counts. And so this morning, what ways do I need Jesus to come and heal me? I want you to think through that. What darkness are you experiencing? I want you to think through that. Because Jesus, he came for the deep issues. The reason that the Son of God had to come, and not just a decent ruler, but the reason that the Son of God had to come is because our issues were that deep. It wasn't just, okay, I'll fix, and here's a $100 bill for everybody. Problem solved. No, there are the deep issues that Jesus alone had to come for. There's a reason why God had to send the all-wise miracle maker. There's a reason that God had to send the dynamic, undisputed champion. Jesus came into our darkness, and he comes into our dark situations. And catch this. He desires still to come into the, de- the dark recesses of your heart to bring healing. He says, I know I came 2,000 years ago, but I want to come even today into the dark recesses of your heart. And I want to bring healing to that. You and I, I know this, have areas of darkness. And Jesus wants to heal that. Know this, he's the all-wise miracle maker. He can do things that you call impossible. He goes, I got that. You and I go through seasons of darkness. Maybe you're in that right now. Jesus wants to bring healing and victory. He's the dynamic, undisputed champion. He says, I want to bring victory. I want to bring victory. And the same Jesus, the Son of God who came 2,000 years ago, he comes again as the divine cure for our darkness, for our distress. For the gloom of anguish. I want to finish by asking this question. Jesus came for you, and I want you to know this. Will you come to him? This is a really our response today. Jesus came for me. Will I come to him? Don't try to fix your problem on your own. Come to him. Come to the all-wise miracle maker. Come to the dynamic, undisputed champion. And as we sing songs about, yes, he came, brothers and sisters, may we be people who come to him saying, Jesus, I need your wisdom. Jesus, I need your power. I'm going to ask you just to reflect with me before I close in prayer. For some of you, that's bowing your heads and closing your eyes. For some of you, maybe that's writing a few thoughts. But let's reflect for a moment. Let's just reflect on the status of our own heart. Where it is dark, where it's gloomy, where you feel no hope. And will you this morning consider that God in His plan, in His provision for you, sent Jesus, the wonderful Counselor. He's an all-wise miracle maker. Some of you know that miracle because He changed a dead heart and gave you a new heart. Some of you experience this because you did not know God and now you know Him. He's already done that miracle in your life. Will you trust Him for this next one? Will you trust in His wisdom that you don't know it all, but He does? Will you trust that His way is best, not yours? Will you trust in the mighty God? Will you trust in the all-powerful one? Dynamic in power, undisputed champion compared to anyone or anything else. Will you trust him? Will you call out to him this week, God, I need your wisdom. God, I need your power. Heavenly Father, I I thank you for this story, story of sending your son the beauty of a, a baby. But I, I thank you that you saw us in our darkness. And you, that was the only way to rescue us, the very Son of God. You have rescued many of us. We, we have believed in your Son. God, I, I pray that those who have not received that rescue today would even say, I need Jesus first. Even today, God, give them eyes to see their need. Give them faith to believe. And then help us to continue to come to you. God, I confess that I go to my own wisdom. I try to do things in my own power, and it fails every time. So God, help us to come to you for wisdom. Help us to come to you for power Would you show us more of yourself in the next couple weeks as we get ready for the birth of your son? So we thank you for coming once. We thank you that you will come again. And we thank you that you are continually coming to us as we come to you. We love you and we commit this time to you in Jesus' name.